what has Matt Canada been missing? That is the question that Chris poses on this Thursday, November 9th, 2023. You are locked into the Southside Beat. A good afternoon, everybody. He is that one Chris Halleck. I am that one Corey Christen. And you are tuned in, as always, at 3 p.m. Eastern right here on DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube. The Green Bay Packers coming up Sunday, Chris. But yeah. now we have a lot to discuss when it comes to Matt Canada and Terrell Austin. I mean, listen, Matt Canada today, I mean, you were there. Um, uh, he, he spoke and he had some uh, – some rave reviews, it sounds like, or at least the team had rave reviews of his presence on the sideline. And um, if that's what's been missing all along, then by all means, keep doing it. Because now, granted, it wasn't perfect. It still wasn't great. We still didn't get that elusive 400-yard performance. Um, but uh, they were better. They scored a first-drive touchdown, which those are kind of like, whoa, whoa. Who's this team? You know, they just um, don't happen. Yeah, they don't. And so, you know, there were I mean, the, the running game got going. Um, if that's all it takes, man, then by all means, keep doing it. And from what it sounds like, not only on what uh, Matt Canada said today, but what Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday, it sounds like it's going to happen again. Um, and maybe just maybe we'll eventually get that 400 yard performance. Maybe. But again, Mike Tomlin does not care about 400 yards as long as they win the football game. <laughs> He's not so, going to apologize for winning. <laughs> no, if 166 yards rushing and less than 200 yards passing is what it takes to beat the Tennessee Titans, then by all means, hey. they will welcome that in. Now, what I liked about what Matt Canada had to say today, and I spent, full disclosure, I spent all my time at Terrell Austin today because, quite frankly, I think there was more to discuss on the defense than mm -hmm. there was the offense. And we'll get to Terrell Austin here in a moment. But the thing is, Matt Canada did not placate the idea that moving to the sideline was a cure-all, is a cure-all, is going to be no. a cure-all. No. He could have easily said, you know what? This was the thing we needed. This is what <laughs> I needed. This is what Kenny needed. This is what Najee needed. Yeah. This is what we needed. But he didn't, of course, placate. And he's still very aware that there's more to be fixed and polished up with respect to his offense. And he even used the phrase pluses and minuses. And of course, a move like this, there are pluses and minuses to discuss. Yeah. The pluses are, are the pluses of being face-to-face -face with literally whoever he needs to be face-to-face -face with. Yep. That's Kenny Pickett. That's Najee Harris. That's Mason Cole. That's whoever it has to be. One of the position coaches. And that one-to-one -one direct communication, as we said last Friday, yep. you don't have mixed signals. You don't have mixed lines. You get direct impact. I say I need something. You hear that is what I need. There's no, yep. hey, tell so-and-so this because then things – it's like the game of telephone you played in, in elementary school. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way when you're on the sideline. Now, the minuses, so to speak, are that – he doesn't have the the bird's eye view, so to speak. Yeah, the all twenty two view. All yeah, twenty two. And for those that yeah. are like, what's all twenty two? It's literally a camera shot that is stationary throughout the course of the game that shows all twenty two players, eleven offense, eleven defense, at all times. 
There's yeah. no like zooming in. There's no focusing on the ball or anything like that. The all 22 is it shows all 22 players on the field. So yeah. from the press box and even where Chris and I and DK and, and the rest of the, the press sit, mm-hmm. um, we get that constantly throughout the game. And for those that are maybe unaware, Matt Canada and, and Glenn Thomas and whoever's up in the booth is sitting on the same plane, the same level as I am, as DK is, as Bill Hillgrove on Steelers Radio is, as Ian Eagle on CBS Syracuse Legend would be sitting when he calls the game. Everybody sits on that same exact level of the stadium. Mm-hmm. So Matt Canada literally sees what we see. We see what Matt Canada sees yep. when he's up in the booth. When he's on the field, he doesn't have that luxury. However, there are still people up in the booth that are conveying to Matt Canada what they're seeing. Yeah. So there is a little bit of a different process with all of that. And obviously, a lot of people were raving about um, about what happened there. B Phil and, and many others are, are pointing out um, that your microphone is sensitive, Chris. We can hear the the, the show in the background. <laughs> really? Yeah, we, I could hear some chattering in the background. Oh, sure that's that's Peppa that's, Pig going right there. Say, is that a Peppa Pig house? That's is Peppa that a Bluey Pig. house? Is Here, that I can, uh, I can I can change that. <laughs> what are, what kind of house are we're, we're a Peppa Pig house over there? Uh, we're an everything house, man. It's Peppa Pig. It's Ryan's World. It's Blippy. It's Little Baby Bum. Mm. It's Coco Melon. Coco, all oh, Coco Melons. It's everything you can possibly imagine. The only one that I thank God and thank God they really didn't get into it. Was um, oh, what's that one on PBS, man? The little kid that complains about everything. I don't know. I don't um, watch kids shows. Caillou, God, oh, Caillou. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I don't watch on kids that shows note, because I, I don't. Sure I don't have the TV to. gets turned down. Hold on a second. My uh, my best friend and his wife, uh, they have a little one. She's just over a year, and they are a Miss Rachel house, which I guess is a show on YouTube. You know, p- performed by 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 some actress. Uh, Josh asked while Chris is stepping away for a second. How do I see the coordinator interviews? So when anytime Matt Canada, Terrell Austin, Mike Tomlin, Kenny Pickett, whoever talks, right? Elijah Riley, Quadri Olison, whoever it is. Anytime somebody talks on the South side, we as an independent outlet are limited to one minute and 30 seconds of video every day. Whether that's combined between, for example, DK and myself, or if that's just me and what I need to use. That being said, the team can post the interviews in their entirety all they want on their website. So to answer your question, choose not to. (laughs) Right. They they choose not to. So to answer your question, Josh, the interviews in full would be on Steelers.com. However, they really don't typically upload the coordinator videos. So you kind of just have to wait for things to come out as they do. Some people will post the transcript. Which is totally fine. You can mm-hmm. you can transcribe the entire thing if you want. I'm not going to do that because that's quite frankly going to waste my time. Yeah, you only so transcribe I, what you need. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, for example, today uh, later this afternoon, you'll read on DKPittsburghSports.com. Um, you know, talk to Terrell Austin about Cole Holcomb, about Quan Alexander, Landon Roberts. Um, you, you'll see on the feed right now on DKPittsburghSports.com. We talked about Joey Porter Jr. and Nick Herbig. Um, he. It sounds like. From Terrell Austin's perspective, they're thinking Minka's going to play. We don't know yet, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Minka was a DNP on Wednesday, and we have not gotten a Thursday injury report just yet. Uh, practice just ended about 10 minutes ago, and uh, 
For those wondering, Corey, why aren't you on the south side? Low quality today. Because <laughs> DK took on the locker room today, and and I got I, I guess I, I guess I got sent home early, which is which is fine by me because uh, <laughs> we're preparing to uh, go to New York uh, tomorrow oh, yeah. for Pitt football. A reminder that Chris will be solo tomorrow. You will be with Chris and. He Possibly and my questions. kids too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Jim, I, I I do see it. a bunch of people saying like like it sounds like the kids are feeling better. By the way, thank you guys for concern. Like I mean, that's mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to do that, but uh, they are feeling better. They're not all the way better because if they were all the way better, they wouldn't be here. They'd be at school. Sure. Um, but uh, no, they're they're doing a little bit better today. More appetite today. Uh, fevers aren't 104 anymore. Um, so yeah, no, it's, uh, definitely better today. And, and the noise in the background was actually just TV cause they're both, uh, in my room watching the Paw Patrol mighty movie, which Ooh. just came out not that long ago. So they're actually in the room being quiet. So no wiggles yeah. or blues clues for this house. Uh, no, I, I, they, they really don't get much into, into anything like Paw Patrol is really the only Nickelodeon show they really got into, uh, hmm. so far. Um, I saw somebody mention, uh, that their two year olds like obsessed with the Sandlot, and actually, my son is obsessed with Rookie of the Year. So, in terms of like old school 90s baseball movies, like he loves Rookie of the Year. Um, that's like one of his favorites. I'm trying to get him to watch more of the Sandlot and Angels in the Outfield because they're yeah. a, little bit, a little bit more appropriate for his age. <laughs> He'll learn. He'll oh, learn. Yeah. I saw oh, yeah. a uh, I saw a TikTok the other day, it was like some kid taking his little brother deep in the backyard like this his little brother just threw him an absolute cookie right down the middle <laughs> it was like one of those like you know wiffle ball basically yeah and uh he, he, this kid just sent it like over the fence over the house and this little kid on the mound started crying and i'm like that's the tough love that's yeah. the tough love that you know one day i hope to be providing yeah. jim says thanks for asking about trice today Corey. Yeah. not Corey trice but about Corey trice to <laughs> be Corey. Um, you're welcome. First off. And, and I know a lot of you that are in this very chat and that are in the asylum on DKPittsburghSports.com have oftentimes wondered about Corey Trice. So literally when I'm standing there for me to this camera away from Tara Lawson, I'm, I'm kind of jogging my mind and I'm like, Oh, Corey Trice. Cause a lot of talk has come out about Darius rush mm-hmm. as a rookie that was signed to the practice squad was scouted, you know, visited the Steelers in the pre-draft process. And he's already on the field and he can't help but to think if Corey Trice was healthy, would he be seeing the field right now? And it sounds like based on that, he kind of would be. So that kind of jogged my mind to say, Hey, TA, like how's Corey doing? Like, is he hanging around? What's he doing? How's he staying involved? And he gave a really good answer on just what Corey Trice is doing. Trice is off of crutches. Um, which is awesome to hear That's considering yeah. um, how how the injury wasn't that long ago. It was training camp. Um, and, and he said, you know, he's in the meetings. He's doing he's doing well. He's coming to practice. Um, and he did admit, like, sometimes you could feel d- disconnected from the team because you're a rookie yeah. and don't really know much, quite frankly. But Didn't get a chance to step on the field yet, just like yeah. Calvin Austin last year, as Rick points out. Yeah, T.A. says, uh, you know, that Corey's doing a good job. So so all indications are positive on Corey Trice. Javon asks, is Pat Fryermuth done for the season? Uh, no. I, I can pretty much say with certainty that he will not be out for the season. In fact, he was running this week on the south side, um, kind of away from where the rest of practice was, was happening. So Pat Fryermuth's working to come back to the field. He's eligible to return off of injured reserve uh, in between the Browns and the Bengals games. 
Mm-hmm. So the earliest you'll be able to see him on the actual game field is the Bengals week. Now, as we know, the proceedings go um, after the um, after the four weeks that he's he's on injured reserve. They open a 21 day window. He could stay on it for longer than four weeks. But the anticipation is that he would be able to come off of IR for the Bengals game. However, if that's not the case, they have. Um, they have a minimum of four weeks on IR, does prior move. Then they can open a 21-day window for him to start practicing. Yeah. And then in between that 21 days and that day, they can bring him off of IR and send somebody back to the practice squad or release somebody, whatever the, the corresponding needs to be. So just a reminder on the process of getting off of IR. Um, Firemuth is not out for the season. He will be back at some point. Um, so so that's it, it, there's a positive indication coming. Uh, from Pat Fryermuth this week. And obviously we are still waiting for an injury report to come out today as mm-hmm. Mika Fitzpatrick and Montrevis Adams did not practice on uh, Wednesday. I don't, I, I was just double checking to see, um, did just get a notification on my phone though. Oh, from DK. From DK yeah. Um, Steelers feed Broder Jones expects to start Sunday at right tackle. Mm-hmm. So that that's, you know, obviously, you know, kind of, you know, kind of confirming what uh, you know Chooks said yesterday about how he kind of expects it to be the same way that it was on Thursday. Uh, so again, not, not too surprising, but it, it's just, you know, it's good to hear those, those verbal confirmations of, okay, you know, this is kind of what, what we're expecting here. And uh, again, you know, you just, you just kind of wonder at, at some point, like what the heck did Chooks say, <laughs> you know, to right. get himself benched. Um Cause that'd be pretty bad. I mean, it's, it's not like, I mean, I'm not saying Chooks is, you know, mauling guys, but he wasn't like, Oh my gosh, Terry wasn't the worst tackle on the field. I would say Dan Moore was probably playing worse than he was, but um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, Frank's right. He, he says it real quick. Randy. Frank's right. Oh, go ahead, right. Go ahead. He said, why change 166 yards of rushing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy says, uh, gives me some props for, for questions today, which I appreciate. However, I can't take credit for the Nick Herbig question. Um, I will take credit for the Corey Trice question um, and ask it about replacing Cole Holcomb, which, again, you'll read um, on DKPittsburghSports.com. I did not ask the Nick Herbig question, but I love the Nick Herbig answer uh, from Terrell yeah. Austin. For those that, <laughs> for the, for those that missed it, um, TA was essentially asked, hey, like, is there a possibility that Nick Herbig uh, could move to inside linebacker to help up make up for some depth. And uh, to quote uh, Terrell Austin directly, and I quote, oh, no, no, man. Nick's an outside guy. Nope, <laughs> nope, we're good. End quote. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think no. the summary is no, Nick yeah. Herbig will not be going to inside backer, no matter how many yeah. uh, times people might want to put it out in the in the atmosphere that, hey, we should try this. Yeah. Daryl Austin ain't about it. Um, yep. And he did talk about Joey Porter Jr. as well. And and kind of about the idea that, and Chris, of course, wrote and broke this down um, about Joey Porter Jr.'s success against DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. and shadowing really just a, 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 do I call him a Hall of Famer? I mean, you might be able to. Uh, he's a really damn good wide receiver, uh, even still in his old age. And mm-hmm. um, T.A. said something really interesting to me. Now, he did say that Joey passed the test. That was the phrase he used. I kind of playing on the left steadily and playing on the right steadily. Mm. But he did say the jury was still out if if shadowing somebody is, is something on the table on a consistent basis. And I found that phrasing interesting. 
that the jury was still out. Now, he he did say, like, if we have a guy that we think can shadow a guy, it's good to have it. But it doesn't sound like they're ready to to take the leash fully off of Joey, so to speak, to put him on, let's say, for example, against Green Bay, it's Christian Watson. Or against the Bengals, it's Jamar Chase or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think this was more about the Titans and how they game plan. And Mike Tomlin phrased this in such a way on Tuesday that the Titans tended to run away from DeAndre Hopkins and run screen passes away from DeAndre Hopkins as well. Yeah. So, Joey, it's no secret. We've talked about it. We, we've said this since training camp. Mm-hmm. Joey's deficiency is tackling. He's not the best tackler. He's physically gifted, but he's not the best tackler. No. So that being said, part of the rationale for putting Joey on DeAndre Hopkins was to remove him essentially away from those kind of plays. It worked. Hopkins only had one catch, and, and he only had, like I think it was like 1.6 yards of separation per target. Yeah. Joey Porter literally did lock him down. But I found that yeah. those answers to, to, Matt, to, to um, excuse me, Terrell Austin and Mike Tomlin and their rationale for Joey Porter Jr. shadowing DeAndre Hopkins, they correlate, they make sense, and and Joey passed the first test, so to speak, as a shadow cornerback. Yeah, and listen, every team will be different because not every team has a has an alpha, like no matter what, that's the number one guy. You know, I would even say like this week, yeah, Christian Watson's probably the most dangerous guy that the Packers have. He's not their leading receiver. He's only got 12 catches this year. I mean, I mean, now granted, he has the highest ceiling. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I mean, you got Jaden Reed who's catching balls. You got Luke Musgrave. Now, obviously, that's you know a bit different because he's a tight end. But you know, they, they got they got a few different guys who are all kind of helping out Jordan Love as much as he as much as he needs help. You know, but um, you know they they got a few different guys, so it wouldn't shock me if this week we saw something a little bit more like, okay, we just kind of need you to stand one side of the ball, um, you know, or at least one side of the field. But um, you know, but you know, when they play the Browns, is he going to be on Amari Cooper? When they play uh, the Bengals, as you mentioned, is he going to be on Jamar Chase? And when they are playing those those teams that do have the number the true number one receivers. Uh, I am pretty curious to see how that goes because, you know, they, they've said things, you know, Tara Austin said things in press conferences and Mike Tomlin said things in press conferences. And then when it comes to game day, even if it doesn't, even if it's the way that they said it was at the beginning, at the beginning of the game, by the time the game ends, it's changed because Joey Porter Jr. pretty much forced them to change it with his play. So I'm, I'm pretty curious. And, and the fact that they've already, already let him, you know, kind of be like, all right, yeah, you can shadow him. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. You know, if Christian Watson starts tearing the starts, you know, catching ball after ball after ball and really just hurting them with 16 yards here and 19 yards there and 22 yards there and 11 yards there, they might just be like, all right, Joey, shut him down. Right. Right. And a significant thing to remember too, is how does make a Fitzpatrick's return affect Joey Porter Jr. and and even Levi Wallace's return too, let's not forget. How's that affect Joey Porter Jr. and Pat Peterson and Keanu Neal? And keep in mind, as we talked a little bit about with with Cole Holcomb's injury, Keanu Neal was used in the box a little bit more. Now, once Minka comes back, you would think that Minka would be the one that, that peaks up in the box a little bit more. 
especially if they use the the three safety look that they like to use, you know, which is kind of becoming, it seems like more of their base package than the actual the actual three four is, you know. Yeah. I'm talking through, I'm talking through like hiccuping and and just stuff. BFL, uh, I wholeheartedly disagree. Ike Taylor was a shutdown corner. Sorry, I just disagree with that. Elaborate just, on that if you can. Just because he didn't, just because he didn't pick off almost anything because he had no hands doesn't mean that he. I mean, he all he was always on the number one guy. He always went to Chad Johnson when they played when they played the Bengals. He always went to the number one guy when they when they played somebody else. And for the most part, he did a dang good job shutting them down. He just, I mean, he just did. Ike Taylor was, I think. And I don't think this is really much of a stretch. I think really the only true shutdown corner the Steelers have had since Rod Woodson. I I, wow. I can't think. Of, I can, well, I can't think. I'm who else? Who else? I'm not disagreeing with you. Joe Hayden. I, I never really thought about that. But Joe Hayden was Hayden a shutdown in his time here. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I think he was kind of given that that freedom to be like, oh, you're shutting down. But it was only every now and then, and maybe in certain matchups, it wasn't every single week you're on the number one guy. They did that with Ike Taylor during his, during, whenever he was playing his best. He didn't do it for a long period of time, which is why he never got the national recognition of being, oh, it's, you know, Darrell Revis Island or anything like that. He never got that recognition because he didn't do it for a long period of time. But for, what, three, four years? Yeah, I would definitely say he was a shutdown guy. Uh, that's B. Ant says uh, Ike's only problem was he had stone hands. That's why he played cornerback and not wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, probably athletic enough to play wide receiver if he wanted to. That's why some cornerbacks literally do play wide receivers because they yeah. can catch. And that's why some wide receivers play cornerback is because they can't catch. Hey, uh, a corner's main job is to make sure that the guy that they're covering doesn't catch the football. That's his main job. Ike Taylor did that phenomenally. Um, you really, really love it when the cornerback is also able to take the ball away. That's why guys such as Rod Woodson and Deion Sanders were so great and some of the greatest cornerbacks to ever play this game because not only were they great at shutting down wide receivers, they were also great at taking the ball away. And mm -hmm. that's why that's what separates the great cornerbacks or the really, really good cornerbacks like Ike Taylor from the truly great all-time guys like Rod Woodson, Deion Sanders, Champ Bailey, all those guys who are all-time great cornerbacks. Uh, tune in to four o'clock if you want to ask Ramon about his times as a place kicker in high school. Nice. Uh, I didn't know that. If that's I didn't true, either. Um, it's. I feel like interceptions are like runs batted in in baseball. Like, first off, it's chance, right? For in, for an RBI, you have to come up to the plate, typically with somebody on base. You can hit a solo home run, yeah. Which in football, like Mika Fitzpatrick would hit a lot of home runs because. His ability to see the ball, go get ball. Like, I feel like an RBI in baseball, you have to have someone on base, and that's criteria. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have that time come up when you're at the plate. So it's a one in nine shot, essentially, to have that um, at minimum. And then you have to execute. You have to get a base hit, sacrifice fly, whatever it calls for to get an RBI, to get a run batted in, to bring that guy home. And, like, yeah. I feel like in football, number one, the pass has to be thrown your way. Right, teams can neutralize Mika Fitzpatrick out of a game plan if they throw the ball away from him. However, if they start throwing the ball away from him 30 times out of 30, then these other professionals that are on the field are going to catch up to it. So, yeah, not a good strategy. You have to chance it sometimes, right? Yeah. Same with Joey Porter Jr., you have to chance Joey Porter Jr. sometimes. And there were a couple times that, and there was one especially that DeAndre Hopkins 
beat him on a route and Joey whiffed on the tackle. Twice. And twice, excuse me. You're right. <laughs> twice. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Twice. Um, and then someone had to come make up for it. Yeah. Then there were times where Joey Porter had DeAndre Hopkins so far locked up that Will Levis could not throw the ball his way. Mm-hmm. Look at the Odell Beckham play in the Ravens game. Now, you could argue Lamar threw a really bad ball, and I think that's fair to say. But also, but also, Joey beat Odell Beckham for positioning. Mm-hmm. He got in front of it and got his hands on the football. Yep. And that's the chance that is created for the interception. Bob says interceptions in the secondary are like finding money. Never, yep. You never expect it, but you always take it. Like, interceptions just happen. And how many interceptions go through a player's hands that hit the ground and you're sitting there on Sunday holding your head going, oh, my God, he should have had it. Like, yeah. And then there's interceptions like what Quan Alexander did against the Titans where he was in perfect position. He, yeah. he, he kind of sold a different thing to Will Levis, and then he came back and got that ball. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I, think, I think they would obviously love to have – Joey become a guy who can also take the ball away. And honestly, I think he has better ball skills than, than people want to give him credit for. I know all about the one interception during his entire time at Penn state wrote about it, heard about it, did a lot of that. You know, it was, it came up quite a bit, you know, during all my draft prep, you know, during all the combine work and everything like that, that I did. So believe me, I know all about it. I still think he has better ball skills than that. I'm glad he already got his one, his first pick out of the way. It's not something that's like, oh man, is he ever going to get a pick? He already sure. got it out of the way, and it came in a big, big, uh, big moment in the game. Joey will get his picks. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a guy who averages five, six interceptions a season, but he will get his interceptions because, as a rookie, as a rookie, he was he will only grow from this. His positioning and his patience in coverage is so good and his length allows him to make up for uh for whenever guys especially on in breaking routes when they do run those quick in breakers he can hurry up turn his hips and run with the receiver and allow his 34 inch arms which by the way is a good length for an offensive lineman yeah that's long uh <laughs> that's, that's good for long. an offensive lineman much mm-hmm. and that for, that for a cornerback that's ridiculous allow those 34 inch arms to be able to reach in and deflect pass. And I, I showed a, in my Joey Porter jr. Breakdown. I showed a good example from his Penn state days, got beat off the line on a quick slant. He was able to make up for it because of the, of his ability to read a route and his ability to use those long arms to his, to his advantage. There's a lot of reasons to be excited about Joey Porter jr. And there's reason why Tara Lawson is already fielding questions about him possibly being a shutdown corner. As we sit here halfway through his rookie season. He proved it against DeAndre Hopkins. Now, look, if if this was like a case of Terrell Austin and, and Mike Tomlin deploying Joey Porter as a shadow cornerback against Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs or Jaden Reed, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. The fact that it was DeAndre Hopkins and he got his first interception while shadowing Odell Beckham one-on-one, like those are two good receivers to have success against. You know, like it, it's the same rationale with Broderick Jones. Roger Jones comes in and plays left tackle and is really good against the Baltimore Ravens and Jadeveon Clowney. Yeah. Then he plays right tackle against the Titans and holds his own against a good pass rush. What are you doing over there? Petting the dog? I am. My dog, <laughs> my dog came, my dog came up to me. I think he actually has to go outside. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. so I'm well, I'll tell you what. I'm trying to it. I'm trying to keep him uh keep him entertained a little bit so he doesn't try to just walk off and 
Like, yeah, I'm just gonna go on your on your rugs here. And All right, go gonna, make a final thought. Make a final thought, and I'll take <laughs> us home while you take the dog out. Uh, let's see, man. Uh, I, I'm really glad to see. Uh, I'm really glad to see Matt Canada, um, kind of acknowledge the things that we kind of were already thinking. I was really curious to see what because he, he was obviously gonna get get asked about it today, not just about like, hey, how did you like it being on the sideline, but you know, to actually kind of hear substance about what it was like actual real answers and, and substance about like, okay, how was it for you? How was it for this offense? And the fact that he kind of gave that whole thing, I'm like, yeah, I don't see the field the same way, obviously, but the fact that I can have these give and takes with just about any, w- w- with literally anybody on the offense, it's a really, really great thing. Um, uh, it's a really, really great thing to, to, to see, honestly. Um, Mark, uh, his name is Fergus, by the way, that my kids named him. It's a golden retriever. Fergus, um, short for something? Ferguson? Uh, no, no, just Fergus because they have a okay. book uh, that it's called Good Boy Fergus that they like to read. Oh. And so they, um, when they, cool. when they were reading the book, you know, they always said, if we ever get a dog, we want to name him Fergus. And so we got, we got him back in, uh, back in June uh, or late May, late May there or June. Um, but uh, no, I just, it's really, really good to see, good to see Matt Canada acknowledge those things and, and and give the the answers that I think we were looking for, you know, even if it, even if it was okay, yeah, this is like PR stuff. He's just saying stuff in front of the camera. It's still good for him to acknowledge it and to kind of say, okay, we all kind of saw it. You know, when you see his reactions with the way guys are coming off the field during for touchdowns and stuff like that. And the way he's like, let's go and stuff like that. Like, it's good to see that, that reaction for sure. Yeah. All right, go take the dog out. Yeah. Let's make sure Fergus doesn't have an accident. <laughs> I'll take us home. Uh, Ryan asks, how do you think Darius Rush looked at his first significant playing time Thursday? I thought he looked okay. Um, I didn't see anything that he did that was like, oh, he got burnt like toast. I didn't see anything like that. Keep in mind, this is like a practice squad guy that they just ripped off of another team, and he's filling in for depth immediately on short notice. thought he did okay given the circumstance. Bob asks, uh, if the draft was tomorrow, what position would you pick in the first round? I think there's a case for offensive line. I think there's a case for defensive line. I think there's a case for cornerback. I think there's a case for several positions. So Chris has let the dog out. Um, I will give my (laughs) final thought, which is my pick for Sunday because. Oh, yeah, that's right. I will not be here tomorrow. Um, I don't trust Jordan Love at quarterback. To be completely honest with you, like, okay, for as much as we talk about Kenny Pickett and him struggling, okay, I still am on the firm belief, and I will be firmly believing, that if you before you do anything with respect to Kenny Pickett, you do something with Matt Canada first. If you're going to get rid of one, you get rid of Matt Canada first because there's, there's reason to believe there are signs that Kenny Pickett is something at quarterback, mm-hmm. right? I can't say the same thing about Jordan Love. Jordan Love never should have been drafted in the first round. Jordan Love never should have been chosen to be Aaron Rodgers' successor. The Packers should have drafted T. Higgins or Michael Pittman or literally anybody with that pick when they picked Jordan Love in the first round. What was it, 2020 out of Nevada? Mm -hmm. Jordan Love never should have been a first-round draft pick. Have you watched him play quarterback? Hmm. You'll see him play quarterback on Sunday. It's not good stuff. It is not good stuff. I know Aaron Jones is a little banged up. I don't care how good A.J. Dillon is or how big his quads are, whatever it is. I don't care how good Luke Musgrave is turning into at tight end. I don't see how Green Bay beats the Steelers here. I don't see how they put up two touchdowns on the Steelers here. So with that said, 
I'm going to go Steelers 20 to like 10. I, I think, again, the, the theme of the Steelers when they win football games is they win these low-scoring rock fights that are ugly and disgusting. And Mike Tomlin says after the game, we do not care. All we care about is winning. Classic case here. I don't trust Jordan Love to play quarterback. I don't trust the, the defense to be able to hold Pittsburgh to fewer points than what Green Bay could possibly do. This is not Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. Do not overthink this. I'm going to go <laughs> 20 to 10 Steelers, comfortably winning, comfortably winning on Sunday. Mm, comfortably winning. I think uh, last I looked, the Steelers were three and a half point favorites. So, cover, but I'm going to cover, cover, yeah. cover, cover. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm definitely going to wait. Uh, I'm definitely going to wait it out, um, you know, for, for tomorrow to give my pick. Uh, staff picks will also be in the Steelers feed tomorrow. So, uh, Mark, here's but- the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. If I sit here and say the Steelers are going to win, you will say I am jinxing the Steelers. If I sit here and say Green Bay is going to get beat the Steelers, I get called a hater. I get called, you know, not a Pittsburgher. <laughs> a I get situation. called a traitor. I get called all kinds of names. <laughs> so, really – Picks are catch 22. I can't really win. I always win, but I can't really win because it's free content and people love it. And, <laughs> and, and I'm going to say 20 to 10 Steelers. And do, do the Steelers get outgained by Green Bay? God, I hope not because I can't foresee Jordan Love playing quarterback at a halfway decent level. Let me put it to you this way. Between a couple Sunday, good throws last week. But... Between Sunday and Thursday, okay, the Steelers play the Packers and Pitt plays Boston College. Jordan Love's probably the third best quarterback out of the four starting quarterbacks that will see the field between Sunday and Thursday. And I'm talking about Kenny Pickett ahead of him and Christian Veyer of Pitt ahead of him. That's how low I think of Jordan Love at quarterback. I'm sorry. I I don't, I don't think he's good. I just don't think he's good. So I'm telling you what, if Jordan Love goes off in this defense, man, you're going to have a lot of, a lot of questions to answer on. I also said the other day, I'll say I'm dead wrong. I'll happily say I'm dead wrong. If he has the (laughs) game of his life on Sunday, but I also did say that if George Pickett's had like three catches for 12 yards after all of this stuff that has gone on around him, it would be the funniest thing ever. So let's hope for the reverse jinx on that. (laughs) <laughs> Let's hope for like 10 for 120 and two touchdowns and we could just all be happy. Go lucky. You know, uh, what's Tony Soprano say? Hunky dory come <laughs> Monday and, uh, and we'll leave it at that. So tomorrow Chris is with you all solo. I'm on my way to New Jersey, New York to, to uh, Yankee stadium for Pitt Syracuse on Saturday. Looking forward to that. And I will be back Monday with you all to recap whatever might take place on the field. At Acrisure Stadium on Sunday. (laughs) But for now, he's Chris and I'm Corey. This has been the Southside Beat. Cheers, everybody. Have a good one.